Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. This notion of preparing our heart prior to, in anticipation of, both hearing and perhaps more importantly, doing the Word of God. You know what I mean by doing, don't you? Applying. Not just hearing the Word of God. Not just teaching the Word of God. But doing the Word of God. Whether we're teaching it or taught it, we want to be doers. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Ezra. We can all hear or read something and we can know something. However, it benefits no one, including ourselves, unless we put it into action. As Pastor J.D. discusses in his message today, wisdom is the application of that which we know. We aren't just to be hearers of the Word, we're also to be doers of God's Word. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Ezra, chapter 7, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. I have to say that while I look forward very much to our midweek Bible studies on Thursday night and teaching through the Old Testament, especially here in the book of Ezra, I am really excited about what the Lord has for us tonight in the two chapters that are before us. We're making our way through the Bible, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And tonight we're going to take two chapters, chapters 7 and 8. We did chapters 5 and 6 last week. And these are two chapters, I think, that kind of need to go together, especially chapter 8. I'm really excited about something that I've actually been wanting to talk about uh, in recent weeks. And so I'm really Uh, Looking forward to, uh, again, what the Lord has for us. All right, so there's actually a 58-year gap between chapters 6 and 7. And so it's for that reason I think it would be good if we had a bit of the backstory so we have a better understanding of what is happening here. We're going to be introduced to Ezra Tonight we sort of turn a corner where the first uh, six chapters in the book were about the first wave of Jews that had returned from captivity to Jerusalem with Zerubbabel. I mean, the book could have actually easily been titled the book of Zerubbabel because the first six chapters of the ten chapters in the book were chiefly focused on him and this first wave of Jews that had returned. Now, we turn this corner and learn about this second return, this second wave, if you will, of Jews that are going to now return to Jerusalem. And this time, the focus will be on Ezra. Now, if you're anything like me, uh, you're going to really love Ezra. This is an amazing guy. We're going to see the focus be specifically for the purpose of teaching God's people both the Word of God and not only the Word of God, but also the worship of God. And he's going to do this 
vis-a-vis the newly rebuilt temple that has now been completed with Zerubbabel. Uh, And it's been, again, about 58, 60 years. There's actually been about 70 years from front to finish. There was, a member a 15-year gap of time where unnecessarily they had ceased the work because of the opposition. And then through the prophet Haggai, there was a prophecy against them that they had built their nice houses while the temple of the Lord, the house of God, lay in ruin. And so they heeded that to their credit, and they began rebuilding the temple. And so now, again, about 60 years has gone by, and now Ezra is on the scene. Zerubbabel is off the scene. Presumably, at this point, it is very possible, some believe, that he has died So now we have Ezra, and he's going to now teach God's people God's word, but he's going to do so in an entirely new context. And by context, I mean now the Jews that have returned and are now there in Jerusalem with the newly rebuilt temple are no longer under the rule of Israel's kings as they had been in the past and even the prior generations. This new context, this new dynamic, if you prefer, is now, instead of them being under the rule of Israel's kings, they're under the rule of Persia's kings. And so now Ezra is going to, because of his love for God's word and God's people, he is going, and that's his motivation, that's what motivated Ezra was his love for God's word and his love for God's people that so much so that he wanted them to know God's word and not only know God's word, but to apply God's word while under the rule of a Persian king. Now, please bear with me here because this is something that we've been talking about as of late and it's that of having the personal experience of seeing God by way of the personal and practical application of his word move in your life very specifically, simply by applying the word of God. And what we're about to see is Ezra doing exactly that. He's not just teaching them God's word. He's teaching them to apply God's word very personally, very applicably, very practically, and even very specifically. And we're actually going to see a case of that, which is very powerful when we get to chapter 8, which again is one of the reasons why I wanted to really get to the, the teaching. I don't know if you've heard this uh, said this way, but for me it was it, kind of a game changer. The saying goes like this. Knowledge is information, but wisdom is the application of that information. Now, let me kind of explain that a little bit. You can have a knowledge of God's Word. That's just information. You can know a lot about God's word, but the wisdom comes in the applying of that information. That's the application. And that's the difference. You know, in the the gifts of the Spirit, you have these companion gifts, the word of knowledge 
and the word of wisdom. And they go together. And here's how that works. You can have a word of knowledge, and the word of knowledge is a very specific word, a word specifically and fitly spoken, prophetically spoken. Now, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to leave it there? Right now, it's just a word of knowledge. Are you going to now apply it and use that gift of the word of wisdom? Okay, this is the word of knowledge. Now, this is the wisdom the word of wisdom. This is what you do about it. This is what you do about that word of knowledge. That's the word of wisdom. Knowledge is just information, but wisdom is the application of that information. And this is what we're going to see Ezra very practically and specifically do in the applying of God's word because of his love for God's people. Now think about this, and it's uh, we're going to see this as we uh, jump in, and we will here in just a moment. Just one more thing. Ezra is going to embark on a treacherous four-month-long journey for about 900 miles. You have to understand, traveling that day was treacherous. It was dangerous. It was perilous. And Ezra is going to leave the comfort of where he's at and step out in faith and venture for four long months, 900 long miles. Why? For the purpose of teaching God's word to God's people because of his love for God's word and his love for God's people. So that's where we pick it up now, verse 1. Now, after these things, after the events of chapter 6, some 58 years prior, now we're told it's in the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia. Ezra, the son of Sedaiah. Now, please know that I'll try not to butcher these names as I try to pronounce them. The son of Azariah, the son of Hilkiah, the son of Shalom, the son of Zadok, the son of Ahitub, the son of Amariah, the son of Azariah, the son of Meriath, the son of Zehariah, the son of Uzi, the son, <laughs> the son of Buki. <laughs> that name, either way, either it's Buki or Buki. And Buki is cute. I don't know what, I mean, what else to say. It's like, Buki, come here, Buki, Buki, Buki. Anyway, Buki. The son of Abishua, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the chief priest. This Ezra came up from Babylon, and he was a skilled scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given the king granted him all his requests. And I want you to pay particular attention to what it says here in the last part of the verse. According to the hand of the Lord his God upon him. I love that. Don't you like that? Don't you want that? The hand of the Lord your God to be upon you. Uh, by the way, this mention of the hand of the Lord his God being upon Ezra. 
It's worthy of noting that this phrase will occur a total of six times in the remaining four chapters, from chapters 7 through 10, and for good reason. It seems that Ezra was a man who was recognized as having the hand of God on his life as the reason for the blessing of God in his life. We're going to see actually those dots get connected in a very real way here shortly. I point this out for this reason. This is perhaps one of the most important truths in all of Scripture concerning God's hand of blessing on our lives, the hand of God blessing our lives, the hand of God protecting our lives, the hand of God directing our lives. And certainly this was the case with Ezra. Verse 7, some of the children of Israel, the priests, the Levites, the singers, the gatekeepers, and the Nethanim came up to Jerusalem in the seventh year of King Artaxerxes. And Ezra came to Jerusalem in the fifth month, which was in the seventh year of the king. On the first day of the first month, he began his journey from Babylon. And on the first day of the fifth month, he came to Jerusalem. And here it is again, according to the good hand of his God upon him. For Ezra, and I want you again to pay particular attention to verse 10. For Ezra had prepared his heart, prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and, and by the way, this is a big and, and to do it. And, here's another and, and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. Wow. Wow. How's that one? He prepared his heart. He prepared his heart prior. Oh, would to God (laughs) that verse 10 would be indelibly etched on every single one of our hearts, especially those who are pastors and teachers. This notion of preparing our heart prior to, in anticipation of, both hearing and perhaps more importantly, doing the Word of God. You know what I mean by doing, don't you? Applying. Not just hearing the Word of God. Not just teaching the Word of God. But doing the Word of God. Whether we're teaching it or taught it, we want to be doers, not just hearers. In one ear, out the other. Have you ever noticed, I know this is kind of silly, but think about this. Have you ever noticed that we have eyelids, right? We don't have ear lids. I think about the seven letters to the churches in Revelation. By the way, all seven churches very different. You can't take the letter to the church in, in Laodicea, or of the Laodiceans, Laodiceans, better said, and apply it to the church of Philadelphia, or the church of Smyrna. That message was just for that church. In other words, God has a different message for every different church. You can't have this cookie cutter approach, but there's one uniformity and similarity with all seven letters. They all end with this. Let him who hath an ear, that's rhetorical. You not only have an ear, you have two. 
Let him who hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You know what's interesting in the Old Testament, replete throughout the Old Testament, you'll read this, hear, hear, O Israel. It comes in through the ear gate. You hear the word of the Lord. That's where it starts, but that's not where it stops. That's where it starts. And that's just the beginning. But you are a hearer of the word, and then you need to be a doer of God's word. And again, please keep in mind, this is what Ezra wanted more than anything for God's people. And this is the the heart of a true leader, a, a true teacher. They want so much for God's people to taste of the Lord and to see that He is good. They want God's people to experience firsthand what it's like to have something very specific from God's Word applied to their lives and see the mighty hand of God move in their lives in such a powerful way that they're never the same again. It changes them. Like on Sunday we were talking about, it ruins them. You're ruined. You're, you're spoiled. When you've tasted that, it, you know what it's like? It's like you, you taste lobster or a, a juicy steak. I know this is going to make some people drool <laughs> and hungry, but you, you taste something so good, you're just ruined. I mean, you can't eat anything else because you've tasted the real thing. You've tasted of the Lord and you've seen that He is good. You've seen Him do things that only He can do. And He did it exactly as He said He would do it in His Word. And it came by way of being a doer of His Word. Very practical, very specific. You know James, and I know you're familiar with this passage in chapter 1, verses 22 through 25, James draws upon a very interesting analogy in describing the difference between being merely a hearer and not a doer of God's word. He says this, verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. (laughs) What? You know what that means, right? If you're only a hearer and not a doer of God's word, you're deceived. You're self-deceived into thinking that you only need to hear God's word. That's deception. And that means that you and I have this propensity to believe our own deception, to believe our own lies, the lie that all I need to do is just read God's word, hear God's word. No, you're, you're deceived if you think that you are only need to hear God's word. You're deceived if you're not a doer of God's word. And then he says this, verse 23, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, this is what he's like. Listen to this. He's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Did you see that connection? Okay, 
Watch this. So now I've applied God's word. And because I've applied God's word as a doer of God's word, then I'll have the blessing, the hand of God's blessing upon my life like it was on Ezra. That's the why behind the what. Now check this out with the mirror. This is perfect. This is brilliant. This is by the Holy Spirit, right? The law of God, the word of God is likened unto a mirror. And here's how that works. So you look into the mirror of God's word and what do you see? You see yourself as God sees you, as you really are. This is where that deception comes in, right? So you can look into the mirror and you always shed yourself in a favorable light. But when you look in the perfect law of God's word, you can't get away with that because it shows you you in the mirror of God's word. And oh, by the way, spoiler alert, (laughs) I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I need a savior. I need a savior. I'm a dirty, rotten, stinking sinner. I just, that's, you know, the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20. Oh, commandment number one. Okay, I broke that one. Commandment number two, I really broke that one. Uh, Commandment number three, commandment number four. There's even commandments that aren't in there that I've broken. (laughs) I've broken every single one of them. And that's the point. The law was not given for us to keep it. The law was given for us to see that we're lawbreakers and that we need the Savior. The law, the perfect law of God, takes us by the hand as a, 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 a schoolmaster takes us by the hand, now that we've seen our true condition, as we really are, it it shows us us in our true condition. And now we're, we're ready. We're ready. We want for the schoolmaster to take us by the hand to the Savior. Because now we realize I'm a sinner. Okay, here, here's another, just real quick. I look at myself in the mirror and I see Okay, I got to do something about this. (laughs) First thing in the morning, okay, there's hair where there shouldn't be. There's hair where, there's no hair where there used to be. Can't do anything about that. I need to brush this, shave that, comb this, what's left of that anyway. In other words, I see myself in the mirror and I do something about what I see. And that's what James is saying. You see yourself in the mirror, now you need to do something about it. That's the applying, the application of the information that you have just now seen. I've got some information now. It's not good. (laughs) We got a problem. I need to do something about that which I'm seeing here. The book of Ezra is a shining example of how God always keeps his promises. Seventy years earlier, when the Israelites went into captivity and exile, God promised that they would return and rebuild his temple. In the book of Ezra, we watch that promise fulfilled. What has God promised you? You can believe that he'll fulfill it in his perfect time. We're so glad you tuned in today. Pastor J.D. has a lot more to share with us from this Old Testament book. But you can listen to more messages right now by visiting InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Just click on Listen. 
And here's Pastor J.D. with an invitation to share with you. Yes, I'd like to invite our In Spirit and Truth listeners to join us for our weekend editions in which I do a Bible prophecy update. We look at current events happening around the world and how they relate to specific prophecies in the Bible. We broadcast these updates each Friday and Saturday, or you can find previous updates on our YouTube channel, and you can find the link at In Spirit and Truth Radio. Thanks, Pastor J.D. We'd love to be a part of your day always, so we've made it easy to connect with us. You can download our mobile app for Apple or Android, find us on Facebook and YouTube, and even subscribe to our podcast by searching for In Spirit and Truth in the iTunes Store. Find out more by visiting our website, InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. Pastor J.D. will continue teaching through the book of Ezra again with you next time. So join us right here on In Spirit and Truth.